This is Zoe Midler, and this is episode 16 of Not a Rocking Chair Librarian, and today we're going to be speaking with Stacy Duval from Horizons K-8 in Boulder Valley School District. Stacy's a classroom teacher um, extraordinaire, and she has borrowed a mobile maker kit, and she's had it for the past 30 days, and she has been doing amazing things and tweeting like crazy, and I'll get her to repeat her Twitter handle when I do the interview so you guys can see some of the stuff she's been doing with students, but we're going to talk to her in just a few minutes about her experiences with the mobile baker kit more importantly her students experience with the kits and kind of what she's learned and what she observed so stay tuned for Stacy Duval hey everybody as promised here is Stacy Duval and we are going to talk about her 30 days with her mobile maker kit that she borrowed from the district so tell me um, you are not a teacher librarian how come you got a kit mm. <laughs> so at Horizons, we're you know uniquely positioned as a charter school. Not only do we not have a librarian, we don't have a library. Um, but I had seen the mobile maker kits at Tech Contact meetings and at um, in Innovative BBSD last oh, year, yeah, that's right. and knew it was something I wanted to make sure the students at Horizons got the chance to experience. And selfishly, knew I wanted to have my students be able to play around with it. So I just said, okay, I'm just going to check it out, and I'll come up with a way to make sure that we get to play with it K8. Yeah, because we always think of the teacher librarian taking and put it in the library and everybody mm -hmm. gets to have access, but you were just a classroom teacher. You took them and then you were like, I'll figure out how to give everybody exposure, even not only my students, but everybody right, else. Exactly. Yeah, okay. So were you successful? I, I was able to, I think we were able to get almost every student K-8, at least some playtime. I think there were a couple classes that didn't get in on it or weren't able to make it work with mm -hmm. their schedule, but for the most part... Um, I gave up a couple of my days of instruction with my seventh and eighth graders. Something we do a lot is buddying. So I had, when we came back from spring break, I had one day where I just let the seven eights kind of explore mm -hmm. during science class to get an idea of what everything in the kit was. And then I'd created a sign up and invited other teachers K-8 to sign up for slots to come into my classroom. And since my seven eights had had the chance to learn, they sort of buddied with the youngers and they played together and they were able to teach the youngers. So they had, like, they, they were guides on the side, mm -hmm. but they were students the, as a guide yeah. on the side. So when you said they explored, did you set up, how did you introduce the tools? Did you set up centers or did you give them any design challenges or did you just say, here's a thing, go for it? I pretty much just kept it open. So with this, I mean, with the older kids, I really just said, okay, like, you know how to read directions or just figure it out. Because I really wanted them to be able to think critically and problem solve on their own without me saying, okay, here's what I want you to do. Um, down the road, I would love to be able to go back and, and have it more integrated with lessons and, sure. and have some really specific design challenges. But in this particular context, it was that first exploration was really just a chance to see like, what do we love? What works for us? What do we want to use with the first and second graders tomorrow? Right. Things like that. So two questions. When you didn't give them any direction, did anybody get freaked out? Or, or were there some people who were just like, okay. Or, I'm, I'm wondering what the dynamic was when you didn't really give them any direction. I was amazed, actually, at how well they did. Yeah. I mean, they, I think they were just so excited that the fact that there weren't directions was okay <laughs> like in other contexts they kind of freak out when they don't get directions but yeah. I think they were just so excited to dig in and figure it out I mean some of them needed a little bit of guidance you know for example like the makey makey I would say like oh this you can turn it into a keyboard I have some celery and you know they wanted to figure that out and as quickly as they could and mm -hmm. needed some support and like how do I figure that out um, but for the most part they really just dove in and even the first and second graders, I was amazed 
at how quickly, and I think it was great for their teachers, the classroom teachers to see as well. And classroom teachers stuck around. Because the classroom teachers, the yeah, came okay. in for the buddies. Because um, that's something that I worry a lot that some of the younger teachers, because they maybe don't use technology stuff as frequently, not all the stuff in the kit was tech related, but they don't use it as frequently. I think they worry that like, oh, they're not ready or they don't, they don't know how to figure it out. And they figure it out so fast. Right. Without really very, without much support at all. We, I know with some of the conversations we've had, the students would say, give me a, can I get a Chromebook out? And they would go to YouTube and look mm -hmm. for videos. Did, yeah. did they do any of that kind of stuff or um, like tutorials basically? I think for some of the things they were looking up a little bit. Yeah. I know I definitely was. Yeah. I, I took a lot of the things home and my husband and I played over spring <laughs> yeah, breaks. So I was like, did. I just want to like yeah. have an idea of how I can support kids with this stuff and make sure yeah. I know how it works. So I definitely did a lot of that. Did you ever use our thing link that we put up on the, I'm curious. I mean, not because I'm like, it won't hurt mm -hmm. my feelings if you said, no, Zoe, I never use that thing link that had the different, we, you know, when you scroll over it, mm -hmm. there's for specifications and then also for lesson ideas. I wonder if you I ever didn't get into the lesson ideas much. I looked a little bit for just like Specifications. specifications and That's getting good. an idea of like what That's totally what fun. was there and shared that with teachers so that they could look. I don't know if anyone took advantage it's, of that. It's it's there and we hope mm -hmm. people use it and if they don't that's okay too whatever your style is if your style is to go and google something you know mm -hmm. go right ahead that's fine because you're problem solving and you're right. doing it the way that you like to do it um okay so you had the students helping the other students which tools resonated do you think what i mean what were the big hits and what were like nah <laughs> some of the biggest hits all the classes because we did that buddy experience with one twos and then the following week i actually gave up my planning period and went into all the three, four classes mm. and did some some work with them. And I would say across the board, they all loved the cubelets. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something I have to say, I guarantee like the kids know more about how to use cubelets than I do. <laughs> yeah. Like I still look at them and I'm like, can someone help me with this? But it's I'm amazed at how quickly like they just kind of figure it out and they get really excited about, oh, I just made this lighthouse or I just made this whatever. And like their <laughs> imagination you stole my lighthouse story because I always tell the lighthouse story where we went somewhere and second graders came to a table full of cubelets and mm -hmm. there, were, there was no design challenge and it was a boy and a girl, second graders. I walked away for like five minutes, came back and there was this monstrosity that I couldn't figure out but there was a, a twirling mm -hmm. light at the top and I said, what is it? And he looked at me like I was crazy. Well, of course, it's a lighthouse. And then I was with somebody else and she said, well, why does it move? Lighthouses don't typically move. And he said, well, fog doesn't stay in the same place. Mm -hmm. And that was me. That was for me like those, that, like I love those connect yeah. the dot moments. I'm like, oh, okay, you're right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> second grader. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was really fun to watch. Um, the youngers loved the Osmo. Yeah. And I think that, that was a big hit with all the first and second grade teachers. Mm -hmm. um, like the, playing with the Tangrams or even just the monsters, they had a lot of fun with. The obby coding thing. I don't know if any of them got into that. Oh, one. interesting. Um, but they played around with all the other, all the other apps with um, the Osmo. Did they um, spend time with Dash? Not much with Dash. My kids really, some of the seventh and eighth graders got into mm -hmm. it um, and got him playing the mm -hmm. um, the xylophone. Um, what number kit did you have? Nine. Oh, so you had the one with Cubetto in it. Yes. Yeah. What did you think of that? That was really fun for the youngers. That was the thing that made that with the first and second graders. I was so impressed with mm -hmm. how quickly they figured it out because the first day that we'd all tried we realized the batteries were dead so we brought in batteries the next day <laughs> sorry about that it's okay we brought in batteries the next day and it was like okay their kids are gonna be here in five minutes figure this out and they did I mean the first and second graders got there they're like oh well we just do this and I mean they were so excited to see how just 
this really simple coding could make that little guy move around. And did they go off the go off the chart. I mean, did they start doing their own kind of coding, or were they only sticking with what the examples were? In the... I don't think they were even looking at the examples. I think oh, they wow. just kind of opened the book to see what each piece could do. Could, could do. Yeah. And then, because they were working with my seventh and eighth graders, so they would kind of guide them and okay, right. where do you want the, where do you want him to go, and how are we going to make him do that? So they mm -hmm. were kind of coming up with problems together and creating ways to solve them. Um, so let's see. There's Did you have the make do? cardboard construction? I don't know if you got a chance we to use did, it. We did. We didn't in those, because we had such a limited amount of time. Well, and we in didn't. 30 days, you got to know you have a lot of cardboard right. and maybe have a little bit of a plan. Okay, so um, the other thing is that I want to mention is that your guys did the Kiva plank ping pong mm -hmm. table. How did that come about? It was some third and fourth, fourth graders, and a lot of kids would open up the little book of contraptions and try to build something from there. And they told me, they looked at the book and they weren't sure that they could They'd had all the materials they needed to build, so they just decided to build a ping pong table. And I looked over, and here they are at this table just playing a game of ping pong together. And it was, like, not something in a million years I would have ever mm -hmm. thought about putting together. Right. Well, and when I saw your video of it, I realized there was somebody else out in the world who had done that, too. So it would be really cool to, like, collect all the Kiva plank ping pong table videos mm -hmm. and just sit, show them to all the other kids and say, can you outdo this ping pong table? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, I mean, their table wasn't quite long enough to make it a really yeah. robust but, game of ping pong, but they worked with what they had. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now you mentioned to me, and I told you, stop talking, because I want to get this on the podcast. What happened with the fundraiser? Uh, so Horizons has a really big fundraiser, you know, being a charter school, that's a big part I of what we do. I a charter school, um, I know. Yeah. So we had our big auction last weekend, and the paddle raiser that was like the end of the um, mm -hmm. live auction was funding to get funding to um, fill a maker space with equipment. So on that list were some things from the maker kit, but also you know we're hoping to get a laser cutter and another right. 3D printer and some big ticket items. Uh -huh. So I put together um, like a five minute slideshow presentation video to share with families so that they could be informed about what is a maker mindset. And I'd actually, a few Fridays before that done we do like coffee connections on Friday mornings with parents. Mm -hmm. So Lauren, my principal, and I led a coffee connections with some parents who came in and shared the video with them, and they actually got it. The parents got a chance to play, oh, so that they could get some at experience the they at, the, at the coffee. They oh, got nice. to play um, and just ask questions about what what is maker culture and what does this mean for our school, so they could kind of start spreading the word a little mm -hmm. bit and getting excited. I just have a really quick question: Did any of the parents question the value? Like, isn't this just play, or why do they need this, or how does this tie into what my kids needs to learn? I don't think they really questioned the value. I think it was really just trying to understand, like, how is this going to help, you know, support students learning? Mm -hmm. Like, this seems like something we used to do. Why, why is this coming back, or, like, what's the reason for, you know, yeah. this introduction in this way? Um, and I always tell everybody, it's a renaissance. Mm -hmm. It's just a learn. We did used to do it. It's right. just changing and morphing a little bit. It's a learn by doing renaissance. And we talked yeah. about in particular with like, with math, for example. Like this is such a great way for students who might be reluctant learners in math to get a chance to just apply some of the things they're learning mm -hmm. in a different setting and get really excited. We had one of our fifth and sixth grade teachers actually say that she worked on it with, with one of you know her with a struggling math class and found that kids normally like are really disengaged in math or really struggle we're like we're so excited right. to play with the stuff in the maker kit right. 
Okay, so you did your coffee, mm-hmm. your coffee talk, I'm yeah, coffee talk, <laughs> and then they got to play, and then you did the paddle raiser. So did you have stuff at the fundraiser, or or was it just leveraging what your coffee? Yeah, talk it, we we didn't was? have anything at the fundraiser. Um, well, I tell you, Superior did, and that mm-hmm. was really she. And you should go back and listen to that podcast because what Tracy did was pretty cool at the fundraiser. I'm, I just was I'm curious mm-hmm. how it worked out for you guys. But I had put together, like I said, a, a slideshow video, mm-hmm. so it showed a lot of the stuff in action. It was just tons of pictures of the kids. Mm-hmm. You know playing around and then just an introduction to what is a maker culture and why what are some benefits of that you know for our students um, at Horizons and mm-hmm. really anyone that's part of that. Do you want to share if it was successful or not? Yes it was we <laughs> exceeded our um, our goal for the for the fundraiser. That's fantastic. So yeah it's really exciting. So you got enough money to really kickstart what you yeah, want to absolutely. do. Absolutely. So do you feel that the kit gave you that taste to make your education and inform maybe some of the tools you might like to bring in? Definitely. I think it gave us a good idea of some of the things that we really love. And more than that, I think it just got the kids really excited about the, op- the, you know, the opportunities and teachers who may have been a little bit scared or unsure about what does it mean to have a maker space or what does it mean to support a maker culture. Mm-hmm. Being able to see how much it engaged the students think was like a just like a big boost just to the overall feeling towards the idea um you've warmed my heart by making a point of makerspace and maker culture because we don't want it to happen in one spot Mm -hmm. i mean we understand that sometimes that's where all the stuff lands and maybe that's a great place to do certain things but we want it to be a maker culture we want it to happen anywhere anytime so before you leave the Mm -hmm. podcast can you let everybody know what your twitter handle is it's at stacy duval five Stacy Duval five S T A C E Y D U V A L five. Five. Okay, great. Because I want everybody to go and see all the stuff that you've already posted because you posted a lot of stuff, which we really appreciate. You're going to share your slideshow with yes. me. I'll fix that folder so you can get stuff Perfect. in there because we want to see that. Right, would you borrow a kid again? Absolutely. I would love to borrow <laughs> a kid again and really get a chance to take it to the next step and help teachers integrate into lessons. Mm-hmm. And they're all. I mean, it was already. You could already see teachers thinking in that direction, or kids saying, you know, getting the Ozobots, that was another favorite oh, thing. I loved yeah. mm-hmm. those little guys. But thinking about, oh, I could make him tell a story. Like, it was fun seeing how quickly the kids saw an application. Um, there's going to be a place later this year where you can upload some of those. So when your space comes into fruition and you've mm-hmm. got the Maker Culture, there's going to be a place where you guys can upload lessons that you've done because we want to share them with mm-hmm. everybody in the district too. So I'll keep you apprised. Awesome. Thanks for borrowing a kit. We really Absolutely. appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for letting me. <laughs> um, and as soon as the podcast is posted, I will let you know and you can hear yourself talk, which I <laughs> never listen to one after it's recorded because I can't hear my own voice. <laughs> I'm not hearing mine either. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you.